listening to the NFL on TuneIn. It's No Huddle with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Joel, thanks so much for taking the time. We have a lot of casual fans listening. How historic is it that Kirk Cousins is receiving a contract that is fully guaranteed? Yeah, assuming it is fully guaranteed at signing, um, sometimes when things are reported, it's not as precise as it actually is. I would not be surprised if the first two years are fully guaranteed and the third year vest at the beginning of the second year. But assuming it is fully guaranteed, that is a landmark deal. Hopefully it will open the floodgates for other players to get fully guaranteed contracts with Aaron Rodgers being the next one. Joe, you mentioned guaranteed money. I mean, that's one conversation, but the money that's given to him on a team of this magnitude, uh, arguably one of the best overall teams in the National Football League, do you think it was important that if they do go through the process of making it fully guaranteed, uh, how much will that hinder the team moving forward to maneuver to grab other players? Say they get rid of him after a year or two years. They're still on the hook of that money, and it will go against the cap. Well, it depends on whether the guarantee has an offset or not. If you have an offset and you cut a player for guarantee, you get to recoup the money that he signs elsewhere for a new club. If there's no offset, the full amount of guarantee counts on the cap, and he gets to double dip and make the money from the team that cut him and every last dollar from the new team he signs with. So that'll be a crucial thing in terms of how the guarantee language is structured. Most guarantees in NFL have offsets. I've always been an advocate of having a guarantee of no offset. That puts you in the same position as if you got a huge signing bonus. Talking in dollars and cents with Joel Corey from CBSSports.com. Joel, as a former agent, how much do you think Richard Sherman hurt himself financially by not having an agent in the way the Niners structured his new deal? Oh, there are, there's not enough time to explain how many ways that we Richard got plenty Sherman of hurt time. himself. Let's go item by item here. Okay, well, the first thing is when he was talking pay cut with Seattle, he put himself at a disadvantage because most agents will start calling other teams to see the lay of the land in case there's a pay cut so they know whether to take one. He, that's tampering, but it's done all the time. He can't call up teams and go, hey, while well, he's under contract, uh, what can you pay me? No team is going to talk to him in a situation like that. So not having that information put him at a disadvantage. Two, he structured a contract which was so overly team-friendly to San Francisco, there was no point in giving them additional years. He might as well have done a one-year deal for seven, eight, nine million plus incentives and then hit the market again after the season. Or if he was going to give up extra years, he should have had them void based on him being the old Richard Sherman. And that's just the beginning of it without getting any more details. Once you look at the overall package, isn't it a one-year differential from $14 million of a, of a four-year $56 million to a three-year $39, which goes from 14 to $13 million bucks? Isn't that how you really look at it, or are you looking at more guaranteed money? No, I'm looking at it that there's so much money that's contingent on incentives, which he probably isn't going to earn. First of all, if he does not stay healthy or can't get healthy, he's out a $2 million training camp roster bonus because if he starts to see starts – camp on PUP, that's gone. He's got a million dollars in playtime incentives, has to hit 90% playtime. If he's healthy, he'll get that because corners play or you don't. He's got $2 million tied to uh, all NFL honors. That's very difficult to get. He's got a million tied to being uh, making the Pro Bowl, which is a lot harder than it used to be because you have two corners migrating over from the AFC playing for the Rams now. Marcus, Marcus Peters and Aqib Tlaib. 
I'm not even sure Richard Sherman would be first team all NFC West because you also have Patrick Peterson in the division. Only four guys go to the Pro Bowl from the NFC. You got Marshawn Lattimore, who's an up and coming corner. Darius Slay went last year. Xavier Rhodes went last year. Desmond Trufant's in the mix. I don't think he's going to earn the bulk of that money, which could make him basically whole compared to his old contract. Thank you for breaking that down in grand detail. We are focusing on the financial side of football with Joel Corey, former agent, sports business analyst for CBSSports.com. Joel, given the well-documented history of injuries that Sam Bradford has suffered, what do you make of the deal that he's potentially going to get from the Cardinals? Well, I always pegged it that he wasn't going to be taking much of a pay cut from his last deal, um, which had 26, I think 26 million uh, fully guaranteed. It's that was 22 and a half fully guaranteed signing. It was a two-year deal, 35 over two years, maxed at 40.5 if he hit all his escalators and incentives. The problem is, if you have Sam Bradford, you better put a good bulk of that money now in per-game roster bonuses. Uh, because you don't know how healthy he's going to be or if he's going to play eight games, 16 games, or four games. The, he cost himself a ton of money by having recurring knee problems this year. This is a guy that if he could have stayed healthy, was poised to be a $25 million per year or more quarterback because he carved up the Saints defense in the season opener and was the NFC Offensive Player of the Week. Um, I'm assuming Arizona is going to get in a position to draft their quarterback for the future, and Sam Bradford is just a stopgap measure. Give me your take on Case Keenum. What does this do based on the deal that they have with him? How does this create the flexibility to still maintain that spot at five of maybe thinking about grabbing a quarterback? Well, it's a short-term, short-term deal, and I think what really handcuffed um, Case Keenum is the Blake Bortles extension. When you look at just the new money, it's about $35 million over two years of incentives. If Blake Bortles does something he's never done before, he, he could make $22, 23000000 million per year. So I think when you've got a guy who's been a starter from day one and a guy who right now is a one-year wonder, that's going to cap his compensation. Yes, if they still want to take a Baker Mayfield or Josh Rosen or whomever at number five, they can do that. Uh, that's what Philadelphia's blueprint was a couple of years. They brought in a couple of years ago. They brought in Chase Daniel, re-signed Sam Bradford, and got Carson Wentz. So that may be the new blueprint for you to secure the quarterback position when you've been struggling to have competent quarterback play. Joel Corey of CBSSports.com is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Joel, if you were fortunate enough to be representing Le'Veon Bell, what would your pitch to the Steelers be to give your client a long-term contract? Um, I think my biggest negotiation would be with my client to be more reflective or sensitive to where the running back market is, which has been declining over time. But if I'm making the pitch to um, Pittsburgh, I'm probably going to go with the uh, he has transcended the position. You don't look at him as just a running back. You look at him as a top offensive playmaker, and he should be paid like top, top offensive playmakers. His importance to the offense is equal, if not greater, than Antonio Brown's, so his compensation should be comparable. Give me a take on Aqib Tlaib, uh, having a chance to leave Denver to go to uh, to his former defensive coordinator and Wade Phillips out there with the Rams. What does that do to that defense as far as being able to solidify winning? Because you have to assume Seattle's going to struggle because of what they're losing. We know the 49ers on the, on the rise, uh, bringing in a, a Richard Sermon, hoping that he's healthy, seeing what Jimmy Garoppolo did. But how big is this move with Aqib Tlaib to assure that this defense continue can continue to be solid? 
Oh, good luck completing a pass against those guys because Marcus Peters has more interceptions than anybody since he's been in the league. And we know Aqib Tlaib can play in a way uh, Phillips defense. He's been to five straight Pro Bowls. And you've got a guy in the middle of the defensive line that puts more pressure on quarterbacks than anybody else. You're probably going to need to find some more of a pass rush from the outside now that you're trading Robert Quinn to Miami, but it's the Rams' division to lose for at least the next couple of years because I think San Francisco is going to have to do some catching up to get to where the Rams are. Uh, Seattle is a team in transition, and I'm not sure what to make Arizona. Joel, great information as always. Thanks for joining us again today on the NFL on TuneIn. Sure, thanks for having me. You've been listening to No Huddle with Brian Weber and former Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart live on the NFL on TuneIn. 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown! The National Football League is on. Tune in.